0: I'm going to share a few minutes um, on fasting tonight, but how many know fasting has a prerequisite or a twin called prayer? How many know if you don't, if you're going to fast, you need to pray? Let me read an article here by McCartney, uh, not Paul. This was back in the 1879 to 1900s. He said this: What mighty word conquered God? What is the word that turns captivity captive? What is the word that unites far-separated souls around one common mercy seat? What is the word that brings man's storm-driven ship into the haven of a safety place? What is the word that turns back the shadow of death on the face of life's dial? What is the word that gives song in the night and that lifts the load of guilt and conscious smitten heart? What is the word that puts the sword in our hand when we face temptation? What is the word that gives us strength to bear our daily burdens? What is the word that fortifies the soul when it kneels before its cup in some Gethsemane and sore agony? What is the word that lifts us up when we have fallen? What is the word that brings angels down from heaven to minister to us when we have been overcome by the enemy? What is the word that makes us co-workers with God in the kingdom of his kingdom? What is the word that recalls the wanderer from a far country? What is the word that is best, the best physician for both body and soul? What is the word in which, when we speak it, may set the captivity free? What is the word that companions the, that companions the soul in its hour of loneliness, and that confronts it in the day of sorrow. That mighty and all-powerful prevailing word is prayer. Prayer touches every realm in every society and every place of the world when we call upon him to come. Amen? Matter of fact, the scripture says in James 5, 6, that the the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth availeth. Now you're going to find out that as a, as a minister of the gospel, I like participation. The less you participate, the longer I'll preach. I said that unless you participate, the longer I'll preach. Wait a minute, I'll say that again. The less you participate, the longer I'm going to preach. Well, I might have to just preach that one word all night long. Do I hear any participators in the house? Amen. There we go. Well, that'll cut you down to an hour and 45 minutes. Praise God. There's a story in California that really happened. There was a bar owner that decided to build a bar, and in building his bar, uh, it was close to a church, and the church hadn't noticed that the bar was being built. But when the bar began to expand, they began to notice As they're building onto this bar, the pastor of the church said, we need to call a prayer time so that maybe God can shut this thing down and we won't have to deal with it. Well, the the building kept getting built. And two days before the building opened, lightning struck the building and burned it to the ground. That's a true story. Now the the bar is burnt down and finds out that the people next door, the Baptist church, had been praying that God would do something to take the bar down. So when the bar owner found out about it, he decided to sue the church for having the effect on why his bar burnt down. The problem was, is that when they went to court, the judge was sitting there looking at the complaints from both sides and said, I'm going to have a real hard time determining the outcome of this suit. And he said, this is the reason why. He said, the bar owner now believes that the Baptist church had something to do with the bar burning down because they prayed. But the pastor of the church said we had nothing to do with the bar burning down. So the judge's problem was, do the Baptists really believe in prayer? The bar owner did. He sued them. The pastor said we had nothing to do with it. And how many know prayer works? I can tell you story after story after story where God has shown up because of prayer. Amen? Amen. I believe prayer, when you think about it from a physical perspective, is as if laying railroad tracks for your destination. How many know if you're not praying, you're not laying tracks? How many know if you're not praying, you're just standing still? But if you're praying, you're making an avenue for God to bring the locomotive down the tracks to the destination. And how many know we need God the locomotive in our midst? So we have to pray. The problem is, is that sometimes there's obstacles, there's mountains, there's terrains, there's, there's wooded area, there's, uh, you know, cliffs. There's all sorts of stuff that have to be maneuvered around. And what fasting does is fasting connects you not only with your prayer that you're believing for, but fasting has a tendency of taking the debris or the circumstances and getting it out of the way. Come on, somebody. How many know there's some stuff that needs to move? There's some things that need to change. There's some things you've been praying for and you're saying, God, how long is it going to take before we finally see the... T-? How many know what I'm talking about? The change that needs to come with it. Amen? So I believe that if we are going to call 21 days of prayer and fasting, we need to pray and we need to fast. Amen? Amen? You know, if you define fasting from an Old Testament perspective, you will find that all fasting other than Daniel fast was no food and water. Not a Western fast, not a a fast of Americans that say, well, we'll just turn off the TV set for an hour. And we won't watch the computer or play games for two hours. Anybody here? Real fasting is really setting yourself aside to God and consecrating whatever it takes to get a hold of Him. Amen? Now, I'm not saying that if you're a person that struggles in going without food, that you can't probably sacrifice some stuff that's really important to you, but make sure that it's important to you and you're willing to set it aside and give it to God. Amen? I think Christianity has been half-hearted because we have given him what we want to give him instead of what he requires. And how many know God requires all of you? When his son died upon a cross, he gave it all so you could have it all. But once you've got it all, it no longer is about you. It's about the kingdom of God and bringing his presence back into the house again. Amen? Amen. And I believe that the church has failed in many areas, not, I mean, as a whole, because we don't have the presence of God. Because let me tell you what, when the presence of God shows up, you won't be standing. When the presence of God shows up, you won't be, you won't be running around the house, you know, thinking that you're really somebody, because the one in the house is going to take everything else down. Amen. I believe that prayer and fasting is vital for this last hour in which we're in. I believe that every church in America and around the world right now is being called to prayer to I believe we've tried everything else. We've preached the word. We've stood on faith. We've spoke to the mountains. We've confessed the word. Come on, somebody. How many know what I'm talking about? And we've not seen the results that we expect from God. Because how many know nothing is impossible with God? but there's some things that we're facing that seem to be impossible. We look around and we see the fires and we see the storms and we see the earthquakes, and we see the all things happen. And here's what I hear in Christianity is this. Well, God said those things are going to come. The truth of the matter is God didn't call you for escapism. God called you to make a difference in it. God called you to speak those things as though they're not as they are. God told you that you're supposed to get in connection with him so you can change what's wrong on earth. Amen. The Bible says you have not because we ask. That. So I think we need to get down on our knees again, and I believe we need to get our hearts set upon the things above instead of the things beneath. We find in Scripture over and over and over again a fasting of the Old Testament that worked. Hezekiah, when, when, when the Chaldeans were coming against him, what did he do? He called for the prophet. The prophet said, you need to fast and you need to pray. As they fasted and as they prayed for the three days that they fasted and prayed, they got up the next morning, they sent in the praisers. I love that. They didn't send in the machine guns. They sent in the praisers, and as they come up over the hill, Everything that was against them was totally destroyed. God had took them, taken them all out. And the Bible says Jehoshaphat actually picked up spoil for three days. How many would like to pick up spoil for three days? Amen. Why? Because they consecrated a the fact. They set themselves apart to God. David, you know the story, he had had, he had had Uriah killed, we know the story that he had this baby with Bathsheba, and the prophet came and said, because he did this thing, his child was going to die, so what did David do? David consecrated a fast within himself, He lay down on that floor till that child was born, and when that child was born and it died, he picked himself up, he cleaned himself off, and he began to eat again, why? Because David knew the only thing that was going to change God's heart in this matter was setting himself, sacrificing himself for what he was going to believe God for. Let me tell you, even though you fast, even though you pray, doesn't mean you're going to get it your way. But it does mean God's going to hear that something's going to happen. I don't know about you, but I think there's some stuff that needs to happen. But it's going to take some consecration. It's going to take setting yourself aside to him. It's going to take you seeking him like you've never sought him before. Amen? Amen? We can't just sit around and watch TV all day anymore. We can't just come to church on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, and Sunday nights and say, I've done enough for God. God is looking for somebody that's willing to give their life 24-7, 365 days a year. Amen? Amen? One of the things that I found about fasting that is very, very important is the fact that when Jesus dedicated himself God and John the Baptist baptized him he came up out of the water the Bible says the heavens was open God spoke said this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and the Bible says he began to be led by the spirit say that led by the spirit see saints we've got to get to a point where we're led again we've got to get to a point instead of God you follow me you do what I want you to do You take care of what I need you to take care of. Oh, God, why haven't you done this? God, why haven't you done that? Instead, why don't we start chasing after God and saying, God, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? When do you want to do it? Where do you want to do it? Come on, somebody. We need to chase after God again. We need to get on our faces again before God and says, God, there is nothing more satisfying than you. You're my everything. You're my all in all. And when I I am down and out, you raise me up. When I am not able, you become more than able. Amen? Say, fasting. It's not easy, because what really is fasting? It's giving of your flesh. And one of the things the flesh likes to do is to be comfortable. Ah! It doesn't want to be bothered. It wants to sleep when it wants to sleep. It wants to get up when it wants to get up. It wants to go when it wants to go. It wants to eat when it it needs something to eat. Come on. I don't know about you, but the flesh is not supposed to rule. Scripture says in Revelation of of the seven churches, he that has an ear, let him hear what the flesh is saying. Oh, no, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. The reason why we're not seeing more of God is there's too much flesh in the house. And the only way to get the flesh out is to sacrifice it to the God who knows how to recreate it. Amen? I think there's two kinds of people in ministry. There's Barthas and Marys. They're both important, don't get me wrong. How many know Martha was the one taking care of the business and Mary wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus? But the Bible says Jesus speaking when Martha came to Jesus and complained in Luke chapter 10 uh, or Luke chapter 38, 10, 38, he said, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing that is needed. Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from. I mean, no, we have to have cooks and we have to have eaters. If you don't have eaters, there won't be cooks, right? But we need Martha's and Mary's. But how many know Jesus said, but Mary has chosen the best thing. What have you chosen in your life? Have you chosen work? Have you chosen playing? Have you chosen money? Have you chosen your family? Have you chosen all these other things over him? Because the number one thing that God wants you to choose is Him, and then He begins to take care of everything else. Amen? I believe every person here is called to prayer. Let me ask you here, how many people would say they're called to have an air? Just two of them. The rest of them are dead. How many here need air to breathe? I can tell you this, you need prayer to live. You need prayer and communion with God, common union with God, intimacy with God. That is what's going to change your life. That is what's going to get you over the hump. That's what's going to get you past that deal. That's what's going to get you past that that situation of serving God. There's nothing else in this world that can do that for you. Amen? Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 14. It's a great story that Jesus tells. Matthew chapter seventeen we're going to look at fourteen and following it. it says, and now remember this, this is a story where Jesus had gone up and had a transfiguration, and the disciples are still down at the bottom of the mountain, and there's still issues at the bottom of the mountain. Can I tell you there's issues at the bottom of the mountain? I mean when you're up on the mountain there's transfigurations, but down in the in the in the valley there's something going on. And let me read the story. It says, and when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down. Jesus had come off the mountain and said to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to the disciples, but they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? Think about that. How long shall I be with you? The second question was this, how long shall I bear with you? How long shall I be with you? And how long shall I bear with you? I'll show you what that means in a minute. And he goes on and says, bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not come out without prayer and fasting. How many here would say tonight they have one of these, this kinds. Come on, one of those things that's hard to move one of those things that seems to be so difficult you prayed about it you know you've sought God about it but that thing is come on how many got that this kind see Jesus isn't talking about well we need to build ourselves up in power so we can cast out demons Luke chapter 10 tells me that he's given me all power and all authority It's already been given to me. It's already been given to you. So what is the problem here? Why did not that demon go when the disciples had an opportunity to cast it out and it took Jesus to show up to do it? Jesus said, it's because of your doubt and unbelief. Not because you don't have authority. Not because you don't have power. It's because you have doubt and you have unbelief. How many know we need to deal with our doubt and unbelief? And the only way we can deal with our doubt and unbelief is that we're going to have to get down where God is so God can raise us up where he needs us. Amen? And I assure you, you're not going to do that without humbling yourself before God and seeking his face with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind like you've never sought him before. Saints, I've got to tell you, I've been really seeking I am not satisfied with who I am. I am not satisfied with where the body of Christ is. I am not satisfied with a little touch or a little blessing here and there. I'm ready to see God in His fullness. I'm ready to see God in His glory. And He tells me in Isaiah chapter 51 that He raises me up in darkness so that His glory can be seen upon the earth when things are really bad. How am I going to get this? How am I going to position myself in a place where God's going to amuse me if I continue to allow my circumstances in life to live? I need God. You need God? You need Him in your house? Amen? We realize that this kind does not come out except there's the condition except you pray I believe we're in the season of burn fasting. We have got to set ourselves apart to God. Again. Amen. Amen. Fasting means self-denial. It means to say, "Flesh, no." We did this. We did this skit in a clown ministry. I believe that or not, we had a clown ministry for a few years when we started the ministry. We traveled all over the place and dressed up like clowns and did all sorts of skits. But we had this. We had this uh, skit called "Flesh." And Flesh was really this, we used a human clown. We put him on a leash, and we kept saying, hey, Flesh, we need to go to church. And Flesh would roll over on his back, no, I don't want to. I said, come on, Flesh, you're going going to church. And Flesh goes, no, I want some food. We go into the kitchen, and we look in the refrigerator, and we open it up, and we're looking around, and we grab something. (laughs) no, we don't want that, and we go through all this stuff, and it's like, finally we find some food and eat it. it." But then the next week goes and says, hey, flesh, let's let's go to Bible study. And flesh is like, no, I don't want to. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And said, flesh is going, no, I want to sit and I want to watch TV. I deserve this. So flesh kind of goes to the station, Special channel. You know? See, if you let your flesh rule, you'll go off of so many different areas that you shouldn't even be. Amen? Finally, flesh. We decided to drag him to church. He didn't want to go, so he rolls over and dies. Laying on the floor dead. But we've got to go revive flesh. Of course, we try to do mouth to mouth, but that just didn't signify. He kind of pumped on him a little bit, and finally he came to, and he realized, wait a minute, it's life or death. I think it's time we go to church. I think it's time we pray. I think it's time we get into the presence of God. I think it's time we realize that flesh is doing anything for us, and it's time to say, flesh, you don't rule here. God does. Amen? God rules, and it's time we get back to it. Amen. We've got to deal with our fleshes. The Bible says in Luke chapter 18, Luke chapter 18, we're going to look at verse 1 through 8. Well, I'll tell you the story. <laughs> the Bible says that John and his disciples, John and those followers, and the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, "Jesus, why do we pray and fast, and the Pharisees pray and fast, but your disciples don't fast?" That's a pretty good question. And Jesus responded back to John and his disciples and Pharisees in the book, "Why the bridegroom is here." They don't need to fast. But when he's gone, they will fast. What is he saying? He's saying this, saints. While Jesus was on the earth in the earthly, fleshly ministry, anything you needed when Jesus was around was taken care of. But when he died upon that cross and he ascended back to heaven, he poured out his spirit so that we could have connection with Him. Why is it do we need to fast now, now that He's gone? It's because we need to connect with the Holy Ghost. We need to connect with the Spirit of God. We need to connect where he is now. See, saints, we can't do this in the flesh no more. His flesh is gone. Hallelujah. He died so that we could put our flesh under, so that we could rise up in the things of the spirit, so that we can experience God. But how are we going to experience God when he's gone and we won't set ourselves apart and fasting and praying to find him again? I'm saved. I'm okay. I mean, you know how many Christians I speak to almost every day. I said, Where do you go to church at? Oh, I don't go to church anymore. I don't need church. I'm busy booking. Flesh. I don't need one another. Flesh. I'm the church. Flesh. The bridegroom has gone, he's died, he's risen to heaven. And he says, When I leave, you will need to laugh. I mean I'd hate to raise, ask you to raise your hands how many here really fast? I'm going to ask how many half fasted, but how many live a faster life? How many really want that spirit connection? Because see, it's no longer flesh, it's spirit. And the Bible says, those who are led by the spirit are sons and daughters of God. I don't know too many Christians today that are led by the spirit. I unfortunately am working for a person that I have a lot of respect for until the day before yesterday and it was just amazing how zealous he is for the things of God but then how he all of a sudden began to use slang language that was ungodly my spirit was so appalled it's like for months I've been hearing this kid and how excited he is and how much he loves the Lord But then when he starts dealing with issues, the language that comes out of his mouth is because he's not spending time with you. You wouldn't even say those things. I'm talking about things that I don't even like Because he's not set himself apart to God. Jesus is saying when my physical presence is gone, you're going to need to fast. You're going to need to seek me like you've never sought me before. We've got some sheets here that I'll hand out to you. It's ten types of fast in the Bible. There are fast. There are three-day fast. We speak of Esther. The purpose is to seek God in times of crisis and trouble. There's a Daniel fast, which is what we're on right now. Twenty-one day fast. The purpose is to understand vision, get focus, clarity, and strategy for our lives. There's a one-day fast in Leviticus and Jeremiah, which is a self-examination and concentration fast. There's uh, uh, Judges 20 talks about fasting until evening. You go from evening to evening on a fast, and it has a purpose. There's healing fast. There's 40-day fast. There's single-person fast. There's fast for journeys. And there's even national revival fast where whole cities, how many know, Nineveh? Come on. was going to be destroyed. But when they heard how serious God was, they realized they had to get serious. I don't know how serious you are, and I don't know how much of God you really want, but I can honestly tell you right now for some of those things that you're facing to change, it's going to take true consecration for God. It's going to take you setting some time aside in prayer and fasting to get this kind out of here. Amen. Amen. Fasting does uh, five different things that I want to talk to you about for a moment. Fasting, number one, cleanses you. The very first thing that happened when Jesus was led by the Spirit into the 40 days that he fasted, he dealt with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Let me tell you, the Bible tells me, I believe it is in Psalms 25, who can enter into the holy place of God? He said those with a pure heart and clean hands. Saints, there's some stuff in our life that needs to come out and only God can get it in. Only God knows how to get in there where you are and help bring you out. Amen? Jesus, when he fasted and he prayed, he dealt with those three issues of life. And the Bible says that afterward, say afterward. I like that. Afterward, the Bible says that the angels came unto Jesus in the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you, but I want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to see the captives free. I want to see blind eyes open. I want to see the deaf hear. I want to see the homosexual get free. Come on, somebody. I want to see the alcoholic free. I want to see those with memory issues restored. Come on, somebody. I want to see marriages free. I want to see children serving the Lord because they consecrated a fast for their child and said, God, I'm not letting go until you touch them. You know, we want God on a popsicle stick where we go, oh, that's really good. Hopefully, yeah, that's really good. And we get nothing for it other than the flavor that you got for the moment. And God wants you to dig down into the trenches and grab a hold of him so he can give you a flavor for life. For life. For life. Amen? second thing that we find in fasting, Mark eleven twenty five 25 says in praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them and you will be forgiven. Fasting will deal with your odds and your unforgiveness. You know, there are so many things of the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the fight of life. we can't even enter into the presence of God and then we start having problems because we carry unforgiveness, we carry hurt feelings you know we've got a problem with this person or that person how many know God wants you to deal with that when you fast God begins to first of all deal with you because the Bible says judgment starts in the house of God man I'll tell you what since I started praying and fasting again Man, I've been convicted of some of the commercials I've been watching. You know, Romans 12 tells us not to be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're not supposed to go along with the world. Can you imagine you're going along with the world and somebody comes into your presence, you're watching this stuff, laughing with it, and they're going, and they call them, I don't know about you, but there's life and death being set before us every day. And the Bible tells us to choose life. Saints, I pray by the power of this word and the Holy Ghost, you get so convicted tonight that you will go home and your life changes. I don't want to have another sermon. I don't want another service. I don't want another hour sitting in the presence of other fellow believers going, Hi, good to see you, James. I'm ready to have an experience with God. I'm ready to see souls changed and lives mended and hearts restored in the kingdom of God. I'm ready to see God show up. Now these these five points that we've been praying for, we're going to have to have God in this to get through it. Amen? Third thing that you've got to understand is, is that you cannot be ignorant any longer well I just didn't know yes you do well I'm confused get out of it get into prayer and find out what God says see when you pray and fast the Bible says uh, forget the scripture in the Old Testament it says but when you pray and fast you mourn current fasting especially fasting is something that's pricking your heart saying this ain't. It's not just, hey, let's have a 21-day fast. 45 minutes to an hour of praise and worship. I'll get to see my brother Brandon and his wife, and I'll get to see you, and this will just be great. No. We're coming because something's touching our hearts. We're saying, God, we need finances for this church. God, we need reformation. God, we need your anointing because we're desperate for it. We're not coming just to sit. We're coming to engage with God. If you say, well, I'm praying and fasting, has it touched your heart? Is that if it hasn't touched your heart, you're not praying and fasting. Oh, you could be sacrificing anything you want, and you could be quoting the scriptures, but do you think God's going to hear that? God's going to hear it when it touches you. Because when it touches you, now when your cry goes out, it touches you. Old Testament, every time they cried out to God and God heard their cry, God touch our hearts. God convict us to your hearts. Let us no longer let the world rule our lives, but God let your spirit come again to the house of God that changes lives forever. Is that your prayer? You know, you you pray and you fast. Prayer really is speaking God's word. God answers his word. And fasting is getting God involved in it to clear out the path. But if it's not touching your heart, how can the path be free? I've, I've got a son that's this way, or I've got a daughter that's this way, and, and they just seem to be so wait, wait a minute. Have you prayed? Sought what God said, and then consecrated yourself unto God until He changes it? Well, he, he's not do good bad. Give him a chance. He's more than able. Make yourself available for Him so that He can take away these things. You know, the walking in the Spirit, the very first thing He says in 1 Corinthians 12, 1-2 is quit being ignorant to the way you used to be. Stop being the old man. You're no longer the old man. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? Fourth thing, Hebrews 11, verse 6 says that without faith it's impossible to please you. So what happens when you consecrate a fast? God begins to speak to you His Word, and it stirs up your faith, and it causes you to become stronger in the power of His mind. Come on, somebody. You set yourself aside to God, He sets Himself aside. He begins to speak His Word to you. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing, Hearing the Word of God, not the preacher, not the TV program, not what you quoted years ago, the now Word, the written Word of God. The other day I was I was praying in a situation for healing,
1: and I've quoted all the
0: scriptures, the Psalms, I go on and on with all the scriptures that I've quoted, but a freshman, came to me that I hadn't seen in a God says, those who serve the Lord, He will bless their bread, He will bless their drink, and He will take sickness from them. Boy, I grabbed a hold of that word. And I'll tell you, everywhere I'm going right now and I'm seeing somebody sick, I'm taking that rhema word that He placed in my heart, and I tell you what, saints, I'm for the glory of God. I just speak that over you tonight. You that serve the Lord, he's going to bless your bread. Come on. He's going to bless your drink. And if there's sickness in your house, he's going to, come on, somebody needs to grab a hold of that in faith. He's going to take it from you. That's the word of the Lord. When you're consecrated before God in prayer and fasting, God will speak things, mysteries that you've never heard before. He'll give you a rhema word that will change everything. Amen? The last thing I want to say about fasting, get ready for this. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17 talks about how there's going to be a warfare. Anybody know what I'm talking about when you pray and when you fast? There's always a warfare that comes between the spirit and the flesh. And they're opposing each other. They're not for each other at all. Amen. And we've got to understand, Hebrews says in chapter 10, he says, once you get illuminated, once you get this revelation of the things of God, get ready for some struggle. Wait a minute, I don't want to fast because I don't want to struggle. Wait a minute, how much of God do you want? How much are you willing to let God in on? How much are you willing to say, God, take out these things in my flesh. Take out this pride. Take out these hurt feelings I have towards other people. God, cleanse me. Make me holy before you so that I could enter into your presence and hear what you have to say about what's going on in my life. My flesh is over here going, no! But my spirit's over here going, yes. Yes to you. Yes, to your will. Yes, to your will. Oh, I know what's going to cost me, God. I know that 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 thing that I've been holding on to, Lord, God likes me, but you know, God, I'm sorry, but I I can't like it anymore. I can't can't do that anymore. I, I can't live that way anymore because, God, I've got to have more of you. Is this helping anybody tonight? We're being called as a church back to prayer and fasting and seeking the heart of God. Hebrew goes on and says that once you've been illuminated, once you begin to struggle, he goes on and says there just before the faith chapter, says, hold on, don't draw back as some have. Stay at it. Stay at it. If you call yourself to a one-day fast, one-hour fast, stay at it. Two-day fast, stay at it. Yes, it's going to be a battle. Yes, you're going to deal with some stuff. (coughs) Stay at it. Don't stop. <coughs> Are you hearing me tonight? Don't draw back because the scripture says he has no pleasure. I don't know about you, but I want to please the Lord. I don't want to hear him say I have no pleasure. When the spirit of God, remember we're talking about the bridegroom left. He said you're going to have to fast because you're going to have to get into the spirit Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, fell upon the 120, healed them, they went out, and thousands were added to the church as a result of not their flesh, but of the Spirit. But let's look at a prerequisite to the Spirit falling. Go back to Joel chapter 2, and let's read what happened prior to that, because there was a prerequisite to Acts chapter 2 going to go back to Joel chapter 2 and we're going to look at verses 12 and following. He said, Now therefore says the Lord, says who? Turn to me with all your heart with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering, a drink offering, for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and the nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priest who minister to the Lord weep before the porch of the altar and let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage a reproach that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say amongst the people, where is their God? I go to churches and I hear people say stuff all the time. Where is God? The Spirit's been poured out. We've been empowered with the Holy Ghost. Where is he? They left, left sight of what it came from people consecrating themselves to prayer and fasting that kept them connected right with God so that God could connect and work with them. See, these one hour prayer services from six to seven were serious. We believe God's able. Is right? He's able. He will do it. Amen? Daniel had a vision. But it took 21 days to get it. Daniel's vision was a glorious man. appeared, And Daniel began to see the end times. We're in the end times. And how many know we need to see it? We need to understand it. We're not going to understand it with escapism. Oh, just hold on until he comes. No. We're not going to escape it. We're going to have to face it. What do you do when devastation hits your city, hits your home, hits your land? Well, how do you respond to it? Well, yeah, I'm so sorry we didn't do that. Wait a minute. It should do something in our heart. that this is not right. There's brothers and sisters in the Lord that are being affected by this. There's families that are being destroyed by this. It should cause us to get on our faces and see God while we do. Amen. We're talking about a Christian lifestyle, a Christian walk in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Daniel helps us to understand fasting and prayer does. The first thing it does is it brings you intimate with God. It sets you aside. The second thing that happens is is that when you're set aside, God reveals you. I love that. Don't you want God to reveal himself to you? And then the third thing that happens he begins to reveal his history in your behalf. Anybody need to hear from God? Because it isn't all about you. Your relationship with God is to guide self and live for him so that others can find it. Christianity has been all about themselves. I'll go to church, I've got a nice little building, it's very comfortable, it's not too loud, it's not too long. You know, it's not along with a long-winded preacher like David, and, you know, hey, it'll, it'll be fine. No. I tell people all the time this: why do you go to church? I go to church to have an encounter with God, to have an encounter with one time And what I have, I It's made about me. When you live in that kind of lifestyle, God will begin to move my are you here in human first? Take care of you. Have the mindset of God. Habakkuk chapter 2 is a perfect example of where we're at today. The Chaldeans were destroying the children of Israel. Habakkuk, a prophet, saw what was going on, cried out to God, said, God, alas, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing the child of to come? Why are you allowing all this devastation among the people? Why are you allowing this one to go through this and this one to go through that? You hear nothing. He decided must be something that he's not hearing anything from God. It's because he's not positioned himself in a place to give. So, what did he do? Chapter 2 of Habakkuk, he said, I'm going to stand on my rampart. I'm going to take my place. I'm going to watch and see what God shall say. So when I am correct, what is Habakkuk saying? Habakkuk saying, maybe I don't see this thing right. Maybe there's some stuff in my life that I'm expecting God to do, and God's not going to do it that way. So now I need to get a vision of what he is going to do so that I can be involved. Because it's going to be different, saints, than you think. Amen? It isn't going to be the way you wrote it. It's going to be the way he wrote it. I mean, Mike, you understand what I'm talking about. Man, he's got a house for sale. We're believing the buyer's going to come. The buyer comes. Then they back out, and then all this other stuff. It's different than what we thought. I mean, same thing with you. You know, you've got a bill, and then you don't have a bill, and then you got another bill, and you don't know what you're going to do with the bill. I mean, stuff happens every day of our lives, and we need to have God involved in it so that we can see it His way. You're going to sell a house? You're not going to sell a house. You're going to have a renter that's going to buy a house. Who knows? God knows. But you've got to get in relationship with Him so that you can walk along beside Him. Find out what He wants to do. Amen? So Habakkuk stands on his rampart, says, watch and see what God shall say. You have it up there? Watch and see what He shall say to me, and what I will answer when I am corrected. Go to the next verse. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. How can you give something to someone else if you don't understand it yourself? Current fasting will help you understand it. Current fasting will get you into a place where God can show himself mightily again. Amen? 2 Chronicles 7.14, and we'll close on this. Is this blessing anybody? I'm encouraging you to get into the place where God is so that God can start doing what he needs to do with you. I want to go back up um, Second 2 Chronicles, go to verse 12. Let's look at it. The Lord appeared to Solomon by night. Now, think about this for a moment. Solomon is really having a pretty good time. Solomon has all the riches. Everything is going well for him. The blessings of God are overtaking him. But while he's sleeping one night, God shows up and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. He said, I've heard your prayer and your supplications and your effective prayers that you keep giving to me, now I'm going to choose this place. Come on, somebody. God's going to choose a place if you'll set yourself aside. If you'll make a place for God, He'll make a place for you. Go on to the next verse. Got this at night. Everything's going well. He gets this thing from God. He says, when I shut up the heavens and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilences among my people, go on, And when all these things occur, when the fires happen and the floods happen and the earthquakes happen and all these end-time stuff that we're seeing happens, he says, you've got to get into your place. So I'm going to help you through this. Because if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and this is the part we leave out, and turn from their wicked ways, fasting will deal with your wickedness. Mm. Then I will hear from heaven. He didn't say you might. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Go to the next verse. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. Because you've made a place for God and you allowed Him to come in and you sacrificed His ways of doing, He now says, I hear and I will see and I will open my ears and my I will be attentive to prayers made in this place. Look at the next verse. For now, I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. God says, when you make this your like.